Well, we want to welcome our visitors today and say we're glad that you've come to, to worship with us. Um, there, uh, you probably got something as you came in, gives us a, uh, a little communication. Uh, you fill that out, drop in the offering basket. It's a way for us to connect with you uh, on a longer term basis and uh, develop a relationship. We'd love to, to know you better and hear your story, share our story with you as well. God is good, amen? If you've been with us for the last several weeks, we have been talking about certain, well, we call them distinctives, um, fishing for a better term, but the idea is that when you, when you are part of the life of this church, there are certain things that should kind of rise to the top, things that we, uh, we prioritize, we find great value in. And as we look at scriptures, we say, look, this, this is... This is really important that we live these things out. These are the ways we think about things. And so we've, we've identified those as the church and as the elders. And these are those things, these kind of distinctives that we are measuring ourselves by. We're saying like, are we really doing this thing that we set, we're setting out to do? We believe this is really what God has called us to do and to be. And so we, we look at those things. We are organizing along those lines we're actually you know obviously we're setting those out in these in the sermons we are pushing those things saying like this is this is what's hitting the mark for redeemer church this is this is how we are to be in this time and place among these people and we we see the scripture just trumpeting these things and so we want to come alongside those things and we want to be a part uh, of of what god is doing in in our midst and so uh, we've identified, we've talked about five different, um, five different distinctives. We're on the fifth distinctive today. The first one we talk about is that we as a people believe that we are called to be God-centered. Now, that's pretty basic, and it should be. Like, we're a church that should be really important. But we don't want to miss what that's saying, that as being a God-centered people, it's not that in some way we want to harness the power of God like that's our objective is that we, we, we somehow harness the power of God and move in this world. Now that sounds great, but it's not exactly what we're shooting for. It, it isn't that we are asking God, God, please join me in my journey as I go along. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that all that we see belongs to God. It is his and we are his. And so being God-centered says we're going to look at everything we're doing, everything is centered on him and what he's doing. And so our first prayer is not, Lord, please bless what I'm doing, like join me in the journey. But it says, God, what do you want? It is, God, I, I want to join you in the work that you're doing in this world. You see, there's, a, there's kind of a, a difference there. And so our messages uh, in teaching, uh, in Sunday school, in the community groups, in preaching is to say, what is God doing? How can we honor God? Where is he working? How can we conform to his work? We should be able to answer this simple catechism question. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is just to make it. No, no. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him 
forever. That's what we're about. That's what, we, that's what we're going to trumpet. That's what we're going to be about in here. Then we talk the next week about maturity. That faith isn't a box on a form that you check that says whether you are Christian or non-Christian or atheist or Methodist or Baptist or whatever. It's not a box you check, but it's a life you live. It's, or, it's organic. It is something that is continuing to grow. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we are anticipating that all of us are continuing to grow in him, that we should look more like him all the time. And so we're going to push that distinctive. We're going to say, are we growing? That's going to be part of the question. Like, are, do you look any different than you did last year? Are you any more mature? We're going to uh, create classes and encourage, and we're going to teach in such a way and expect that each of us is continuing to grow. None of us have arrived. Amen. I've been around you people. And you've been around me, and we're not there yet. We have some work to go, but God's not done. That's the exciting part. Like, God lives within us, Philippians tells us, and he is going to work his way out. He's going to mature and complete us for his good pleasure. He likes to see us grow up. And he has the power to do it. The work of the Holy Spirit is a work of sanctification. And so he is going to clean us out and make us look more like him. Somebody say amen. You might want to just jump up and down because that's good news. He's not just left us by, him, by ourselves. He's like, I, I'm going to do something with you. Ooh, that's good news. And so we see that God is calling us to maturity, that maturity, that growth happens through the diet of his word, by the exercise of faith, by the blessing of the community, com the communion with and the power of the spirit who dwells within us. God-centered, maturity. And the third one is we believe that God is not just growing us as individuals or even just growing us as a church but that he is, is he is expanding and growing his presence across the world, multiplication. That is not just the addition of what happens here in this church, like we grew by six people or 100 people or we're, we're, there's 800 people. It's not just addition, but that God is going to use us and his kingdom work is a work of multiplication so that we are now growing others who will grow others and we'll see fellowships grow and grow. And so we especially see this in the area of church planting, evangelism, discipleship, church planting. And so we, we have a heavy emphasis in our church in seeing the kingdom of God advance uh, through evangelism, discipleship, and through the planting of churches. Last week we talked about family discipleship as our fourth, that we realize that uh, there is a, a heavy emphasis and responsibility upon parents the, in the nuclear family to raise their household, to create an environment of worship that the parents are responsible for the discipleship. But it goes even beyond that. 
where we have grandparents and great-grandparents and aunts and uncles. So the, the larger family is also speaking into this. But then even greater than that is the, the family of God that he's put us in. That we have older brothers, like Titus says, we have older brothers and sisters who are investing in the younger brothers and sisters. And so we believe that discipleship happens within this context of family and that there is responsibility. There's some, some folks who are saying... I, I am the one that you should be looking to if things are falling apart. The, I'm, I'm responsible to make something happen here. I am, I am going to take leadership in those things. This is family discipleship. And this last one, I'm not going to tell you to the end, so just pay attention. But before we begin, I want to start maybe taking a 10,000-foot uh, view of the scriptures and about, well, time and eternity in general. So we start pre-creation. We see that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in perfect communion. And God decides to create all that we see. The Spirit of God hovers over this formless void. God speaks and things happen. And as he is creating, you know the mantra that goes on uh, day after day in his creation. He will, it will say, and God said... Let there be light. And God said, let the waters be water, waters be separated from the waters. And God said, and it keeps saying, God keeps saying, and as soon as God says it, it happens, right? God creates. And then we see in almost every day at the end, it was night and it was evening the first day. It was night and evening the second day. And then it also says, and God saw that it was good. And on the sixth day, after he creates man and woman, he says, and God saw that it was very good. The crown of creation. And in fact, we see that he says, and I, we will create him in our image. Whoa. So things went from good to uh, very good. And so we see this is the place that God has created. And then it says he, God took uh, Adam and Eve uh, and, and placed him in the garden, a special place. And, and Adam was, was to tend this garden. He was to name the animals. He gave him this work. And so it was a perfect place. And God had told him you can eat from any of the trees. But you know how the story goes, that Satan came and tempted Eve and, and, and said that, did not God say that you cannot eat from any tree, but you, what? Already Satan is crafting that which is good, like, like the environment can't get any better, right? This creation can't get any better than it is, but Satan is now speaking into a lies about what the reality is, and Eve listens, Adam listens, and they defy God. They don't trust in God. They look towards themselves. They look to the, towards the serpent. And then it breaks loose, right? No longer is God going to walk in the garden in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve, but he is going to separate them from that place. There are curses. What happens now is everything begins to fall apart. I, I wonder if that's the beginning of the second law of thermodynamics, right? Where everything goes. 
And that's what happens. Creation itself, in Romans 8, it says, creation itself even now moans and groans for the day in which the Son of Man, the, the children of God, will be revealed. Even creation itself is saying, I'm sick of it. <laughs> you have made this place into a horrible thing. We look around this, you know, that over, you know, the natural extinction rate is like uh, five species a year, and we're at like a thousand species a year going extinct can you imagine that the creation groans because of the sin that has worked its way and things are falling apart and you and i are falling apart arthritis is in the left shoulder and the right shoulder and 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 what entered into that garden became from a garden and then they was removed to a wilderness where the the ground doesn't produce anymore women will suffer in the glory of creation, right? So in the birth of a child, what will happen? Women will suffer great agony to a glorious occasion. See how things are messed up? We know messed up, don't we, church? We know messed up in our lives. We know messed up in our neighbors' lives. We know messed up on the news. It's all messed up, right? It's a wilderness, Now, time progresses on earth. God the Father, God the Son, the Holy Spirit are omnipresent, but not coming physically present to this earth since the garden. We see uh, occasional times when there'll be manifestations of the Spirit, but not like it was in the garden where he walked in the cool of the day. Jesus is in perfect unity and communion and fellowship in the heavenlies where there is daily singing towards him, right? Holy, holy, holy. It is a great place, but God in his great love for us sent his son to take on flesh to walk the earth again. But no longer is it a garden, right? It's a wilderness. And so as the world has been upended by the fall, now Jesus steps foot into creation and how will that go? How do you go from being in the glories of heaven? We read Revelation uh, 22, right? 21 and 22 talk about how glorious heaven is, the, the river that flows through it, the trees that give their fruit throughout the year, that there is no need for darkness because the glory, or a sun because the glory of God is shining all the time. You need shade. <laughs> It's so good. And you and I as people, we're, that's, our, that's our home, right? That's our, we have citizenship there. We, we read about it, but we, haven't, we didn't get to visit it. But we know what it's like in a sense, right? But even the most that we can imagine pales in comparison to the reality of what it really is to be in the presence of God. Somebody should be jumping up and down. Oh, that's good news. That's our home. That's where we're going. And soon and very soon, we will be there. But now we as, as people of God need to consider the, the garden. We need to consider the garden to come, the tree of life in both places, presence of God in both places. And then we see ourselves in the midst of this wilderness. Jesus was doing the same thing. He came and he visited the wilderness. And what did he do in the midst of his time in the wilderness? 
Heaven is a place of peace, is a place of shalom, where all is well. All is well. But then Jesus stepped into this place, walking, as it were, in the wilderness rather than the garden. Before he comes, before his public ministry comes, John the Baptist goes out, right? Where does John the Baptist go before he, he sees Jesus? He's in the wilderness, right? He, he's, he's fully experiencing the wilderness. He comes out and he begins to preach. And he preaches that the kingdom of God is at hand. Prepare the way. Be ready. And they're like, well, what is it? What are you talking about? <laughs> Make yourself ready because the kingdom of God is about to come on you. It's about, it's about the bull rush through this place. And you need to be ready. I'm going to straighten the way. I'm the herald because the one who is coming is greater than me. And he's going to come. Now, this is what you should do. This is what the kingdom is going to, to feel like as it rushes over you. You need to, if you have two tunics and you see someone who has none, you need to give one of those tunics. If you are like one of those Roman soldiers over there who are used to extorting money from people, taking advantage of people, you need to stop and be generous and give back. This is what the kingdom is like, you see, because the kingdom of God is like these two things on the other side. It is where all things are well and where there are potholes and where things are broken and where there's, there's death and desert, there comes new life. Things become right. This is kingdom kind of stuff. So where things are not right, where things are out of balance, where there is, uh, where there is extortion, where there is, uh, when there is lying, when there is cheating, when there, is, uh, when there are people who are hurting and no one is taking responsibility, when those things are broken and messed up, the kingdom of God comes and it affects all those things. So, Jesus then is, is baptized, right? And the next thing is he goes into the, to the desert, to the wilderness, right? And so when he, uh, when he comes back, he is now initiated into his public ministry. In Luke chapter 4, he goes into the temple to begin the, 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 the start, to, to start his earthly ministry and so they hand him the scroll, and it just happened to be Isaiah chapter 61. And so Jesus, fresh from the wilderness, right, he stands before them and opens up the scripture, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Right? And they're like, what just happened? 
Jesus is saying that I have come. I am the fulfillment of what was promised of the kingdom of God. I am here now, and now that I am here, all of these things will happen. Why? Because those things that are broken, the wilderness here on earth, will be springing to life because of the kingdom of God. And so we watch him throughout the book of Luke. The next thing we see a few chapters later in chapter 10, Jesus sends out the 72 in his name. And he says, now, when you go out, I want you to uh, find people who will have you, basically. And they'll have you go in their house and eat their food. And then have them bring the sick to you and heal them. Listen to what it says in Luke chapter 10, verse 9. Heal the sick in it in the town and say to them, and say that this is the, this is the message you tell them. The kingdom of God has come near to you. You see, this is the kingdom of God. Heal them. The kingdom of God is near to him. So what they should be doing is they should be experiencing the kingdom of God. You know, if you go to Bluebell uh, and take that little, it's a little short tour now, by the way. Like you just go down a hallway and come back. But it's cheap ice cream at the end, so that's a big plus, right? And so if you're really smart, though, you go up to the counter and you ask for one of these. You get samples. Like, I'll take one of those, and like, I think you can get as many as you would like. And so you just keep sampling, right? And it's a, it's a taste of what you ought to have. And so is the work of the Spirit in these places is a taste. Let them get a taste of what the kingdom of God is like. This is just a taste. There's, there's even more because in that place, there is no crying. There is no broken bones. There's no broken relationships. There is peace. All is well. And Jesus says, I've come to share with you all is well. Jesus brings us all as well. He binds up the brokenhearted. Ask the woman at the well. Ask the mother whose child died. Ask little Zacchaeus up in the tree whom nobody wanted to go to his house but Jesus. Jesus heals the sick, brings back uh, life from death, corrects injustice, See, this is how the kingdom advances. Now, mind you, this advancing of the kingdom, it is, it is not without those who fight against it. You would think that it's something so beneficial people would line up for. But there's still a great struggle in the wilderness. My... Um, I've become a big fan, honestly. Uh, I like Dawn. I like it for a couple of reasons. One is, you know, we have like a candle factory in my house. And so there are oils and wax and all kinds of stuff. And this does the trick. I, I have to call upon this very often. Um, and, and you've seen, I mean, it's a great picture. You ever seen like uh, the oil that's on top of your dishes, the dishwater, you know? Uh, you got some really, and you just, you just do one drop and it goes, I like that. It really works. It's like the real thing. It's just not a commercial. 
By the way, our ties are down a little bit, so this portion of the sermon is sponsored by Dawn. Are we getting a royalty check? Okay, good. And I love that picture of the kingdom of God, that as the kingdom of God is applied, like darkness has to, has to leave, right? And so he has called us to this same kind of kingdom work. You remember that horrible spill of the Exxon Valdez, you know? It's a terrible story. You know, terrible, uh, terrible on the, uh, the part of Exxon and the negligence of the pilot and all those things. And that just ruined that which was pristine and beautiful. And I remember, to be honest, that was the first time I really understood Dawn. Because they would show all these volunteers and paid workers. I mean, they came out and, and they were wearing all their gear and they were black slime and stuff all over them and they they would get these these birds and these uh and all kinds of animals and they would put them in these tubs and they would have right dawn it was like the thing to clean all of this massive destruction that happened in the in, in that bay and and this is kingdom work you see it is giving people a taste of what the kingdom is like, where all is well. It dispels the darkness. Where there is brokenness, it heals. It is God's work in the wilderness. So, we as kingdom people, now we are left here as sons and daughters, and we we know of this kingdom, we believe in him, we trust him, we have been forgiven, we have been empowered, Yet we still live in the wilderness. We still see the brokenness, but we know peace. We know his shalom. So we are then compelled with a vision of his kingdom to see those things that are broken here and to do something about it. Remember when, when the disciples asked Jesus, how then should we pray? Jesus says, pray in this way. My Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so now we are employed as the hands and feet of the kingdom. So James then says, what is pure religion? What what is the, the pure working out of your faith? What should it look like? What is the practice? Is it candles? Is it... Scents, which are really good, by the way. Scents are really good. Is it, is it singing? What, what is this pure practice, the pure working out of your faith, is to visit widows and orphans in their distress? That doesn't usually happen in the liturgy of our service, right? But that is a, that the way we live out our lives. We look at the wilderness around us and we apply the kingdom to it. So we are disturbed when things are broken, when people are broken. And we administer the grace of God in their lives because we're kingdom people. That's why it says in in Proverbs 11.10, when it goes well with the righteous, the city rejoices, and when the wicked perish, there are shouts of gladness. (laughs) When, when When the righteous are doing well, then the city is happy. 
because the righteous are moving forward in this kingdom work and we're seeing things that are broken and we're saying that that's not right. That's not how the kingdom is. And so I'm going to administer the love of God. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God and everyone that loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love doesn't know God because God is love. Sons and daughters, as we walk this road, as we, as we go through this wilderness, we move in, the, in God's power and strength, and we can't help but act when we see and hear injustice, when we see and hear brokenness, we react. What does this look like for us? So where do we see this brokenness? Well, first of all, we can just look around this room, right? We can look in our own lives, and we, we have these things that need to be fixed, right? Things that don't reflect the kingdom. So it starts here. But then it, it goes right here, right? In this group here, as, as we care for each other, as, as we all go through this world that is broken, and, and some of the things that happen to us are our own doing, and some of those things that happen to us are just sin in the world or sin of others. And, and so we're having to deal with all those things. We're all in this journey together, but we have each other. So as kingdom people, as, as sons of God and daughters of God, then we are ministering one to another. That should be rich, and it is, in the life of our church. I mean, I don't know how, that, how many info, I'm not infograph, how many uh, prepared meals it said, but they were like bajillion, I think bajillion. It's two, two bajillion. That people caring for each other, visiting each other in the hospital, praying for each other, thinking about each other and supporting each other. It's rich among this group. Amen, that's good news. And so it should happen here, but it should also go out and extend that kind of shalom making should, should go beyond the, the walls of our church. We should see our community. We should see the churches uh, uh, everywhere as our people. We should be ministering to them. And our church has done that too. We have connected with churches all over the world and in their loss and in their need. We've contributed to that. That should be what we are like, who we are. That's the things that we should be involved in. But we shouldn't just care for those who are near us. And in fact, we, we need to be careful. Can I give a, just a couple of warnings, and, and I'll close here. We need to be careful. Shalom giving is delightful, to be honest with you. As we find the presence of God among us, as we get to share in his word, as we bless each other, there is a real tendency for us to say, let's just keep it in here. It's, it's good. I mean, it's enough just dealing with so-and-so, you know? I'm putting a lot of effort towards them. I'm not pointing to anybody. That, that wasn't you, I promise. That's an imaginary so-and-so. But let's just keep it here. This, that's enough. I got enough issues in my life. I got enough issues in this. Let's keep it here. And in fact, that's what a question came to Jesus. Like, Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself, and one of the 
smart guy said, uh, well, who's our neighbor? And Jesus said, I'm glad you asked. Because they're thinking like other Jewish folks living next to them. Like if I can just keep up with these folks, to heck with the Romans, right? But these people are not. And Jesus tells this wild story about a Samaritan who sees a Jew on the side of the road where the other Jews who ought to take care ignore or even they like go on the other side of the road so they won't be near. And Jesus is asking, are those his neighbors or is it the Samaritan? And the people in the crowd hate to admit that it's the Samaritan, one who is different. Our tendency is to walk around. Our tendency is not to pay attention to the needs around us because they are overwhelming, because they take us out of our comfort, because they, uh, they require something of us. Because in effect, if we can see them, it's, it compels us to act. And so we can create our own little space here. But that's not what Jesus would have us to do. He is the one who took the route around to find Zacchaeus. He is the one who went out to the woman in Samaria. Jesus goes to those places where people are hurting, and he gives of himself. What do we give? Time, treasure, talent. I want to add a fourth one to that. Those are the times we usually say, but I think there's a fourth one. Remember when Eve is in the garden with Adam, and all is well. So even the, everything is good in the garden, the only thing that's not good in the garden is there's lies. There's a misunderstanding of the truth. And so we, are, we give up our time, our treasure, our talent, and the truth. Because the truth then dispels the darkness, and people can truly live in peace with God. All right, how does this look in the life of Redeemer Church? Well, let me tell you how it's being demonstrated. Um, what last, uh, two weeks ago, Miss Diane came up and talked about Harvester, a ministry that she's uh, involved with, that works with the Sudanese, that with the church in Sudan, and uh, in, in South Sudan, uh, with the orphanage, school, hospital, uh, caring for the church there. Those are kinds of things that like become important to us, right? Uh, John Sims uh, and, and Rob being a part of uh, the jail ministry, going to those places where there's need of the love of our God. Now, some of you have been to Adult Teen Challenge and, and served there. Um, some of you have, uh, like Elijah, uh, a, a roving ministry that goes everywhere, right, to all these places, hospitals and and nursing homes. And we, we as a church go to nursing homes on a quarterly basis. We, we go to places where people can't get out, who, who are lonely and broken and need of the love of our Savior. We get shoeboxes for Samaritan's Purse. You have given to the, the needs of the community in Kenya through Hamare. We have Jobs for Life, a job training program. You see, all those things are manifestations of us seeing the brokenness of the wilderness around us saying we have to act care for the stranger, healing the sick. Today I'm going to close by saying that our Lord and God 
is a God of love. And he has a perfect kingdom. And we are part of that kingdom's work here and now. And just as Jesus walked and gave people a taste and ushered in the kingdom, he was the kingdom himself. We point people to Jesus. We serve in his name. We give people a taste of the kingdom to come. And we invite them, come. Come and be a part of this kingdom. It is good. He is good. So I say all that to say the fifth distinctive is to care for the least of these. If you'll stand with me as I read Matthew chapter 25 as our closing today. Chapter 25, verse 31, if you're in your Bible, it's on page 831. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people from one another as a, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, that's good, but the goats on the left. Then the, kingdom will say, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when we did see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Then he will say to the left, depart from me, you cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Lord God, help us to see this world as you see it, to serve as you would have us to serve to your glory. Lord, help us to have eyes for our neighbors. Lord, we thank you for our eternal dwelling place, we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen.